This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 111, a look at the cool new improvements for meshing in ANSYS Mechanical 2022 R1, along with an update on news and events in the world of ANSYS. Welcome to our little podcast, All Things ANSYS. I'm your host, Eric Miller, one of the owners here at PADT. It's mid-May and we are all adjusting to kids coming home from college or finishing their school year, but not yet starting their fun, our, our summer vacations. I suspect we will see a lot of traveling uh, for people to go see uh, grandparents and other folks that they haven't been able to see uh, as we walk the fine line between pandemic and endemic. We have uh, been busy hiring here at PADT and hope we have uh, some of our new staff on the podcast soon. We've added an optic simulation engineer to structural people and just this week a thermal fluids person to add to our Flonex staff. Not to mention our wonderful intern who has just jumped right in and is starting to build and run models. And on top of that, uh, we have a new chief engineer for product development and several new salespeople. So some of you who are customers will get to meet the the new people on the team uh, soon, I hope. So even though PDT is growing, we're not quite done yet. Uh, We still have several open sales positions and we're looking for a low frequency electromagnetics person. And there'll be some other positions to uh, post soon. So if you or anyone you know wants to be part of the PDT team, check out the new website at www.pdtinc.com and go to About Us and click on that little menu guy and roll down and you'll see careers in the menu and click on that and you'll see all of our postings. We're seeing more and more of our staff uh, return to work here in our offices and we're getting out and about and spending more time with customers, which is great. Um, it, it's just, uh, we're not certainly not back to normal, but it's good to see that, uh, you know, some things are getting better. And uh, we hope that you are all safe and, and secure and healthy and uh, that we continue, that things continue to get better. Um, about the podcast, we're just under 35,000 downloads. I was hoping to announce 35,000 at this episode, but we'll do that at episode 112. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for being loyal listeners. And please do share the podcast with others. And don't forget to subscribe to it on whatever podcasting tool you use. So let's move on to the interview. One of our most popular topics for webinars and podcasts is meshing. Everyone wants to get better meshes with less effort. And the good news is that ANSYS developers are working on it. Let's talk to PDT's Joe Woodward and learn more about some of the very useful additions to meshing in ANSYS Mechanical at the latest release. I want to welcome everybody for joining us today. Um, we're we're um, meeting with one of our meshing experts here at PADT, Joe Woodward, who's who's been meshing, I think, longer than either of us want to admit, uh, <laughs> and uh, has seen the world of meshing go from uh, make some incredible leaps and bounds if you really look back. Um, and and we've got some cool stuff to talk to, right? We're going to talk about twenty twenty two R one, correct? Yes. Yes, Great. I always have to say it very slowly. Exactly. <laughs> 2022 R1. R1. So, um, yeah, I, I, there's they they continued. This is the Ansys Mechanical product, and they uh, continue to make enhancements. You know, we we tend to focus on meshing and CFD, but uh, we shouldn't neglect the fact that meshing on the mechanical side has made some major improvements. Right, right, and it's it's just as important. To have a yeah. good quality mesh, you know, mm-hmm. you're, I remind people that equations are based on certain element shapes, and the farther you get away from those shapes, the 
farther you are from the the correct equations. Yes. So that's a really good point. That's a really good point. You're <laughs> introducing error when you have distorted mesh. Yeah. You're right. Exactly. So the the quicker that you can get a good quality mesh, uh, mm -hmm. the better. So Ansys yeah. keeps working on it uh, with with every uh, every release and every iteration. So yeah, keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Well, let let's just talk about some of the highlights there's a, there's a lot of smaller stuff and we'll we'll cover some of those at the end but just to get started like what's the most important or most uh, significant enhancement that was made at this uh, R1 well there's there's a few mm -hmm. um the 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 first one i pointed out on on our webinar was the the uh, pull tool mm -hmm. um back in the day when I was working on shuttle engines. Uh, we did a lot of <laughs> axisymmetric models, mm -hmm. uh, and then we converted those into 3D. And and in uh, MAPDL, you you could you had the the AX extrusion command, the area mm -hmm. extrusion command, um, that you could take a 2D mesh and and uh, right. revolve it around or extrude it and make the 3D. Well, now they have that in Workbench. They have nice. mechanical, yeah. So we could take a, a a 2D mesh or even a surface off of a 3D mesh and uh, and pull it is the the it's the pull tool kind of mm -hmm. like in space claim. Right. Uh, you can either extrude it straight or revolve it around. Um, yeah, and it'll it'll take that mesh and you tell it how many elements to put in as it's revolving mm -hmm. so um and it'll it'll make the geometry that's the the part i keep having to wrap my head around is that right. we've always said mechanical does not create geometry right well now it does okay. <laughs> <laughs> which which is probably what what held it up for for a while yeah uh, right right mm -hmm. so it it'll take that mesh and extrude it or revolve it but it also creates uh, the geometry body that then goes with that mesh. Um, it, and if you clear the mesh, it deletes those bodies again. Okay. So, so they're, they're associated with the mesh, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. So it, it's, um, but then you can, it'll put the geometry in the geometry branch at the top and you assign your materials and treat it just like any other geometry. Okay. Uh, you can apply loads and things to it. And what I found is that when you cleared the mesh, when it rebuilt the mesh, those loads do get applied back to the correct surfaces. Okay. You so know. it's keeping that relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it's tracking it all the way back to the edge that the surface mm -hmm. came from and then rebuilds it or something. But it, it did seem to keep everything consistent, which is really nice. So they added... I think that they added all of that in 2021 and now in 22 R1, mm -hmm. uh, they've added the ability to uh, to add line coatings <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that on the axisymmetric model, you can add these line coatings to simulate, you know, a, a thin thickness layer okay. uh, in the 2D model. Okay. Uh, or you can do face coatings okay. on the surfaces 
of a 3D model. Uh, so those can either be, uh, you can set them to, to just do stress evaluation mm -hmm. so that you have integration points on the surface right. instead of beneath the surface. surface. Um, so you end up with more accurate stresses on mm -hmm. those faces. Um, and in this uh, version, uh, they've also increased the ability to merge those geometries out with the underlying solid oh. so that the nodes all get merged out. Okay. Um, and I don't know if, if you could do that before with linear elements, but in this version specifically, they, they give support for quadratic elements. So all your mid-side nodes that are along cur the curvature of a face, mm -hmm. if you pull the uh, the layer off of it, okay. uh, it'll merge out the nodes along there, so you have a consistent mesh. Very cool. Yeah. So so highly recommend that people try this out if you deal with this because I think you have to see it to get your head around it. Um, right. Exactly. A little hard to describe on a podcast. But, exactly. But uh, um, really important. I mean, stuff we used to have to write macros for to do this under the hood, and we'd lose the associativity of the geometry when we did that. So. Right. Right. Very. So as far as far as I can tell, you can have you know your two D two D geometry be parametric mm -hmm. um, and then as it refreshes mm -hmm. all of this comes back and refreshes along the way so it's pretty cool uh, i think of some turbo machinery stuff we've done with axisymmetry uh, as well as some uh, some other models that were you know straight extrusions um, where we we really struggled with that associativity breaking so this is big this is really big yeah, yeah. It's very right. cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. So so I'm I'm getting my head around this and 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 going back to the surface uh capability. Um is that something you could also use for like a thermal barrier like a ceramic thermal barrier coating where you can apply a different material to it? That was the first thing I thought of when when I saw mm -hmm. it. Um, because they have struggled with that. We have customers that mm -hmm. are trying to do that all the time. And mm -hmm. um that was my example. Uh mm -hmm was to bring up a a little turbine blade and, right. and just select all the surfaces on the exterior of the blade mm -hmm. and just do a pull tool right and extrude it out a, 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 a coating on it yeah coating on it. it was very cool that is yeah so so you know to for those that haven't dealt with this before the two use cases we've been talking about is um you know, the, the way that uh, stresses are calculated is at the integration points, and that's actually inside a solid element. So by putting these surfaces on there, you can uh, get the nodes actually on the surface, which is really important for like doing strain gauges and, and calculating very accurate stresses on the surface. And then the second is when you've got a thin coating of some kind, and you know, Joe and I are showing our, our heritage by talking about thermal barrier coatings, but you may have a metalized layer, you may have a polymer on top, whatever you're spraying or depositing on your part, um, you can model that now uh, more accurately without trying to kind of uh, going into mechanical APDL and kind of tricking it on, under the hood. So this is great. Wow. Woohoo. I'm excited about that. All right. <laughs> we let's say just when, this is this is not this episode is not on this new poll capability. It's about other stuff as well. So what, right, what's the second right. thing you uh, you'd like to share? Uh, well, there's a lot of uh, just 
new diagnostics, mesh diagnostics, mm-hmm. um, quality metrics and things. Um, it, we we diagnose diagnose problems all the time, mm-hmm. right? From mm-hmm. from our cars to <laughs> last month, I had to find a leak in my sprinkler system. Yeah, oh, don't even get me know? started on that. <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, and it takes a long time. And and the the quicker you can find the problem, the quicker you can fix the problem. So uh, again, Ansys with each revision tries to help put in tools to help diagnose things quicker. So uh, a lot of people still don't know over the years that if you get an error message in mechanical, um, sometimes it'll say something like the the surface mesh is intersecting uh, on the surface and it can't mesh. And people don't realize, well, if you right click on that, Mm -hmm. uh, it'll say show problematic geometry and it'll show you which surface it's talking about. Yes, yeah, yeah. So that that's been there for quite some time, but now uh, they've also added in an option for show intersecting surface mesh wow. in this particular case. So it actually shows you the elements that are causing the problem, not just the geometry that that is having the issue. Yeah. So you because whenever I've used that feature, ways. it's been two very large surfaces, and it doesn't tell me where on the surface the problem is. So this will tell you where the elements are. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and they they added in some crosshairs. So like on that big surface, hopefully it would show you a crosshair on one corner. <laughs> yes. So at least you'd, you'd know the general region. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but now they, they show you the mesh there. The actual mesh. Yeah. So then Very- uh, some of the other stuff, they've added uh, diagnostic category to the name selections. Mm-hmm. So you can go in and and – Add all the mesh in a body and then add a, a line on the name selections for uh, different diagnostics. So intersecting mesh, body of infl- or uh, body in- interference between elements, uh, sharp angles, things like that. And it'll create the name selections so that you can go back and look at those, uh, those particular elements uh, within the model. Very handy, kind of grouping them together so you can look at them. Yeah, right, right. And then the the last one I pointed out on the web or the webinar was that um, one of the diagnostics is to add faces that are defeatured. So when you turn on the mesh based defeaturing, uh, Ansys goes through and tries to collapse out the actual geometry mm-hmm. facets. Yep. So it can collapse out certain surfaces and then mesh over the top of them. Right. So this this actually, this little diagnostic, you can get a name selection that shows all the surfaces that get walked oh, over. Nice. So it's it's pretty nice so that you can just go back and kind of check, make sure. <laughs> make okay, sure you're I'm okay. Not, right. Make sure I'm not collapsing out things that I don't mean to and that everything looks good under the hood. So, and then they uh, they also have a walk feature um, that when you have a name selection like this, you can basically it's just two arrows for next and previous, uh-huh. but it'll jump from one object to the next to the next. Cool. And zoom in on each yeah. one. So if you on have a big one. assembly, you're not trying to find these things. It'll zoom in right on them uh, and, and, and jump from one to the next. 
that's going to be very handy because I, I know, and I think you do this as well, and some of the larger complicated assemblies with lots of parts, they have mm-hmm. little features. And um, when we're trying to figure out why it's not meshing, you can spend a lot of time trying to find where it's failing. So the stepping through is – and you're also zooming out and zooming in constantly, right? So right. This will, yeah. save, this will save on that as well. Exactly. Good. So you can jump from one to the next and then zoom out a little bit and take yeah. a look around, see where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Andy, what else? So the, the next thing that I got kind of excited about was um, – you know, the shape patterns and things that, that answers meshes. Um, they've had the multi-zone mesher in there for quite a while <laughs> that it'll try to go in and hex mesh um, right. certain objects and things and, and uh, without you having to slice up the body. Uh, but in some cases, that didn't always um, produce a nice mesh. It was like the pattern that it made mm-hmm. wasn't all that great. Um, they, they've really improved that, uh, but they've also added this control under the multi-zone mesher called the split angle. And it, it basically keeps the, uh, the example that, that they showed, uh, that I used in the webinar was a, a block with two thin fins off of each side that were mm-hmm. offset from each other. So you may have a hundred elements on one side and a hundred elements on the other side, but those elements skew downward from one side, one corner to the other. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So you end up with, with some really skewed angles in there uh, as it's trying to m- match across the body. Well, the split angle basically says anything higher than this angle, go back and put in a new split okay. internally on that multi-zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, the the example that it show if you go back and look at the webinar, um, it's really skewed in one section, and then you turn on that split angle, and it's suddenly this beautiful all hex, yeah. like really nice high quality mesh. Because um, you used to have to go, um, you know, one one way to kind of, I'm trying to think of a way to visualize it on the podcast, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, let's say I'm meshing a, a square. And I've got um, on on the left side, I've got a really small segment at the top. That could, like say say I go like an inch down from the top left corner, and then I go six inches down to the bottom left corner. And then on the other side, I start with six inches in the upper right, and then one inch on the lower right. And it would it would like put all the elements would kind of skew across. So it would it would say like there were four elements on that little segment on the left. They would put four elements across all that that big segment on the right. Correct, exactly. And it's and it's no longer do, and now it goes. So what you would do to fix that right is you would split up the two sides. So it would go it would go one if I remember one five one. And and so you go one five one one inch five inch one inch on both sides. It does that for you. Right, yeah. You end up splitting it into three pieces right. that are all the same straight across. Uh, and that's exactly what Huge. this yeah. Huge. That's exactly what this uh yeah. this example is, uh, where you don't have to do that splitting. Right. It, this split angle takes care of that for you. It says, wait a second, we've got this big difference here and go chop right. it up. Yeah. I love yeah. it. 
So it was really great. And they've just improved the the overall pattern of the multi-zone, um, things like cylinders and mm-hmm. uh, spheres. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the webinar show, just a sphere. Mm-hmm. And when you pull the multi-zone on it, uh, with the with that split angle, suddenly mm-hmm. it just becomes the perfect little hex mesh. Uh-huh. Uh, what is it? Uh, seven, seven bodies. <laughs> okay. You know, seven blocks uh-huh. um, that get fully hex meshed and, and all of that gets uh, split internally. So you don't have to do anything to it, mm-hmm. uh, but it turns out really nicely. Is it like a, a an O-grid? Does it automatically it, create the O-grid? It, exactly. Yeah. The old O-grid from, right. from ISOM. Right. Uh, yeah. If you, if you used a uh, hand hex meshers, you you used to break up say a, a circle into uh, four segments around the outside and then one square in the middle, and uh, and of course with a sphere it's you add that extra dimension of it so it's doing that for you that is again huge time savings. Yep. So yeah, then and they just uh, in in the the update. Mm-hmm charts they, they just show a, a bunch of different patterns and things that, mm-hmm. that just come out uh, much better with the the multi-zone along the way and, and not only is it a more accurate mesh it's usually less elements too i think correct yeah correct yeah usually if you can if you can get something hex meshed mm-hmm. for this for a less element count you mm-hmm. can get more accurate results than with tetris yeah it's just in the past it took a long time to try and get a hex mesh. So mm-hmm. now that's getting much much faster right. along the way. Or if you're running, say, LS Dyna and you 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 need that hex mesh. Uh, yeah. Perfect. Right. Right. Well, and and I always tell people that it comes down to okay, how many times are you gonna run this model? Right. Is it yeah. is it a one off mm-hmm. model? Where okay yeah just throw a really fine tet mesh on it and it takes ten hours to run, or are you going to optimize this thing where it's got to run a hundred or a thousand times? Mm-hmm. Then it's worth your effort to to take the time to get a hex mesh on it so that it runs faster with fewer elements right. along right. the way. Those multiple iterations, yeah, yeah. so true. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, and and you know if you're new to Ansys. You, you, these sound kind of intriguing, probably. But if you're, if you're a longtime user of simulation of any kind, and, and Ansys in particular, um, it, it's these are some big changes that um, will really take a lot of manual meshing uh, and automate it. Um, and even if it's only eighty percent of your model that you can automate, that's still better than twenty percent that we used to be able to automate. So, right, fantastic. Right. So, so those are three big things, right? The the poll. Um, the hex meshing is—is is there anything else that uh, kind of big that you want to point out? Yeah, well, I have a—I'm uh, looking at a whole page of updates <laughs> um, that, that just this huge list. Mm-hmm. Um, They—they've gone through and and uh, improved the shell meshing, mm-hmm. um, the the amount of uh, triangle reduction is what they're calling it—the tri reduction. Okay. Uh, Trying to get better patterns and and nicer quad patterns on shell meshing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the weld meshing looks 
just amazing. I haven't had a chance to play with it, mm-hmm. but the automated um, mesh-based um, connections mm-hmm. that you have a bunch of shell, uh, you know, a full shell, thin metal, sheet mm-hmm. metal assembly, and you can set up all the welding for it, and it goes and builds the weld connections, either seam welds or, or spot welds, and it just looks really cool um, to be able to get through a huge assembly very quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and something that, you know, until recently, a lot of people used a third-party tool for or, or a very laborious uh, manual process, so it's good to see that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, in Space Claim, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know that Space Claim can now mesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, uh, a hex mesher that they believe they took from ISOM CFD, the old okay. hex mesher. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's now inside of uh, Space Claim itself. So you can go in and mesh uh, items there. And, and in this particular version, they've added the, the thin sweep method. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. For doing uh, sheet metal and, and thinner mm-hmm. parts like that, mm-hmm. um, and it it's kind of it's really cool too because you just pick on one of the bodies and it goes off and blocks the whole thing for you. Nice. Um, so it's and an auto hexa, yeah, basically the auto hexa. Nice, um, and, and it's done some really complicated things very quickly. And then when you send that geometry to mechanical, mm-hmm. the mesh for those bodies comes through okay. and then you can mesh the other bodies in mechanical. Okay. So it's, you get the best of best of both uh, very easily. And it's associated with the geometry. So you can apply loads and things to the geometry, I assume. Yes. Yeah. It's, okay. it's that, once all that it's works into mechanical, it works all yep. the same as it Great. did before. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, one thing I'll point out um, that popped in my head is we're, you know, we're focusing on some sheet metal and, and more, let's say mechanically parts, but I'm, I'm guessing this will also work on some, if you're doing mechanical analysis or robustness of analysis on some of the electronic stuff that is often very thin uh, geometry as well. And a lot of hex meshing would be really nice to use. So definitely want to try this out on some of the PCB boards and things like that that we've been playing. Right, definitely, yeah. 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 So then there's also some oops. There's uh some improvements for for uh like we're using LS Dyna. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a an explicit physics preference. Um oh, okay. to uh to give you that nice even mesh that, that mm-hmm. LS Dyna likes to use mm-hmm. um with an explicit code. Uh, you're you're looking at the the distance across the elements for your right. speed of sound. So uh, if you can keep those all even, you can have more elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more even you can keep those, the the better your your model runs. Very cool. Yeah, I always remember looking at my Dyna model and going LS Dyna model and going, oh, there's like two elements in there that are tiny, and driving my my time steps. Um, so, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cool. So, and then I, I think the last thing I'll, I'll uh-huh. point out is this feature detection. 
uh, and treatment. They, they, they're actually going through now and, and uh, it'll detect holes and fillets and they keep adding two things. So like planar faces. Okay. Um, it will go through and, and detect those from the mesh um, and then group those and, and count it as a hole or count it as a fillet um, so that you can then go through and, and add controls and things on uh, mm -hmm. along the way. So I, I need to play with it more, but it looks like a, a really good tool for bringing in a huge assembly and, and just kind of letting it automatically find these features and things. Again, something that, you know, manually we would go through and like click on all the holes and build a, build a, a group of them. Right. So that, oh. so that we can then, you know, put standard mesh controls. Like we want all of our holes to have the same number of elements around the circumference and like that. So it finds them for you now, I guess is what you're saying. Right. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And so that you can you can then put on those mesh controls. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at a, at a worksheet mm -hmm. uh, example and you can go add those mesh controls in the worksheet. Oh, so, so oh, even better. Right. Exactly. It just finds yeah. everything. And then you say, OK, yeah, map mesh those mm -hmm. that set of holes and mm -hmm. uh, add a washer around the holes. There's mm -hmm. a washer control that gives you the oh, okay. a nice radius, mm -hmm. uh, really nice quads around the the hole to to apply loads and, and contacts to things uh -huh. like that. Okay, wow, big big improvements for for assemblies. Yeah, yeah, oh, really really cool. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to get my head around the first thing you mentioned, and now I'm just kind of lost with all the different <laughs> exactly. uh, things. So, you know, uh, and, and as you mentioned, you know, you did a webinar where you went through a lot of this stuff. So definitely check that out um, uh, if you haven't already watched it. Um, yeah, the webinar talks mostly about the three main topics, okay. but okay. all the charts for all hmm. the other things are in there. In there. Okay. So, so you can, you can go through and, and look through them, and it's definitely worth it. So, I mean, um, you know, my big my big takeaway, other than um, how how uh, we need to thank the, our developer friends at Ansys for taking the time to to make our life easier, um, is if you've been meshing your parts a certain way, it'd be really good to take a look and see what's changed and make sure that you've played with these new features. That you may not know or are there or not really used to using them. So you just kind of dive in and do your meshing a certain way. Uh, take the time to really see what's new and play with them on some representative geometry for you. So, so when you do need to use them, you know they're there and know how to use them. Um, and, uh, you know, instead of just blowing a tet mesh on something, uh, play with some of this hex meshing capability to get a better get a better mesh and get better performance and yeah, uh, same with the same with the defeaturing and and walking through problems and things like that on your tet mesh um yeah because because i think sometimes and i'm guilty of this is when my when my tet mesh fails i just kind of change the global parameters because right. i don't want to i don't want to take the time to dig in to see where it's actually causing me a problem but now 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 it's pretty easy to dig in and, and figure out locally the small local area how to fix it and and uh and deal with it that way so pretty cool yeah. Right. And you can apply like a body sizing mm -hmm. on individual bodies and then all the controls from the global right. are also on there. So you can right. change the defeaturing size mm -hmm. 
on a specific body to, body. to take out some extra fillets and things like that um, and, and control them that way. So uh, it is definitely worth your time mm -hmm. to look at the meshing technology that's there now. You're absolutely correct. So I'm putting you on the spot here. Do you know if in the learning hub, if they've updated the training for this new meshing capabilities yet or not? I I haven't looked. Okay, good. so so we'll so and so we'll we'll pretend I didn't ask that question, and we'll say so. Check out the learning hub if you have access right, to learning exactly. hub, and that that's a good way to kind of go through some of these things. Definitely watch the webinar, uh, read the release notes as we always say. Um, and, and reach out, you know, if, if you have a question, like maybe there's a capability that you wish you had, um, and you, you're not sure if it's there or not, you know, definitely reach out and ask us and we'll, we'll let you know if we, if we know it's there and, and we're still, I mean, this is relatively new, right? So we're still kind of playing with these new capabilities as well. Um, I know, I know yeah, on the consulting side, we're, we're having some good success with the relatively large aerospace assembly that we did the. The there there's there's two versions of this uh, assembly, and the one we did like three years ago, we really struggled with the meshing. It took us quite a while to get it meshed, and we're kind of blowing through it on this this new new one. Yep. Yep. It, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me from where we were even just a few years ago yeah. to to what's available now. So play around, you know, set some time aside to play around and, and explore these new things. So I, I know I, I, you may, you, you may do this. I don't know, but when I'm in the middle of building a model, I don't take the time to try the new stuff. I'm like, I know how to do it. I'm going to do it the way I've always done it. And, uh, right. set aside some time to yeah. figure out the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely ask us if you, if you, uh, don't see what you want. Cause mm -hmm. I've had a few tech support issues where somebody describes okay i need this and i want to do this and i know this is really complicated and you know blah 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 and i go oh yeah that's just the setting over here <laughs> you know <laughs> it's this checkbox here and off it goes where have you been they, all they just life? didn't know about it yep yep and it's you know it's it's, a, it's it's the program gets more capable that's just more and more common so right nothing, exactly. nothing surprising it's just it just is what it is and uh gotta take time to learn these things or ask so well i i i really enjoyed this um i'm, I'm just very pleased um to see that these capabilities are in there. And, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is, is how much work is being done under the hood that we don't really see in capabilities. Like they're rewriting how geometry is handled, right? And, and it takes a couple releases and then we start seeing it come out. Now, so now that they've got this capability to maybe create geometry and mechanical now, um, now we're seeing it with this, this pole capability. So right. very cool, yeah. Well, big thanks to developers. Big thanks to you uh, for for sorting this out and explaining it to us. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what's next. This is fantastic. And uh, you have a we're recording this on Friday afternoon, right before the end of the day. So thanks for taking the time. Uh, and uh, have a have a fantastic weekend. All right, thank you. You too. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. All right. Bye. Some good stuff there as usual. Um, you can see how the developers are listening to users and adding some pretty important functionality. Give it a try and uh, play with it, explore, see what it can do for you and don't hesitate to reach out with any questions. During the interview, um, 
Joe mentioned a particularly hairy meshing problem he saw with some of these new tools. And this was an example of PADT's mentoring services, something I don't think we have done a commercial on in a while. So let's do one. Since we signed up um, our first ANSYS customer, PADT has been providing one-on-one -on -one technical support to help users get the most out of their ANSYS investment. Mentoring can be very intense, custom training. It can be model debugging. It can be uh, us setting up a model and running it and then showing you what we did. Or it can be writing a script to help you install and um, uh, uh, writing a script and then helping you install and uh, modify it. No matter what form it takes, mentoring with PDT is about you gaining direct access with one of PDT's experts to help you with your simulations. If you ever find yourself sitting in front of your monitor and thinking, if I could just have someone else who knows this tool to talk to, I'd blast through these problems, send an email to swsupport at pdtinc.com and Joe, who happens to be our lead engineer for training and mentoring, will get back to you and talk about how we can help. And we can offer this service to anyone in the world. You don't have to be a PDT ANSYS customer. We can't wait to help you, so please reach out. Let's move on to ANSYS stock. Um, well, yeah, you know, it's the market's not doing well, and ANSYS uh, stock, ANSS, is not doing great either. It's down to 249.32 on Tuesday morning, May 17th, which is a 38% drop since the beginning of the year. And in comparison, the S&P is down 14%. Now, next we're gonna look at the first quarter numbers, and I have no idea why the stock dropped so much. Uh, who knows what Wall Street is doing. The, the more visible a stock gets, I think the less its behavior has to do with the actual performance of the company. But uh, it was a good quarter. They, they had $525 million in revenue. That's 17% growth over the first quarter of 2021. Um, uh, their profit was $71 million, which is uh, just a slight drop from the previous time last year. Uh, it's a 2% drop from, uh, I think it was $72 million last year at this time, first quarter. Um, they booked $344 million in annual contract value. And the deferred revenue backlog, this is, this is the amount of money they're owed by people who have signed papers and say, we will pay you. It rose to $1.2 billion. So that's a lot of deferred revenue and backlog. The profit margin rose from 13.8% in Q1 in 2021 to 19.1% of this year. We're going to talk about that in a second. And cash is still high at $658 million, And debt is a little bit higher than cash at $745 million. So they've got a bit of acquisition debt to pay off there. Um, in the in the past, we've talked about GAAP versus non-GAAP. So, and I always have to remind myself what this is. GAAP stands for General Accepted Counting Principles, and it deals with when you recognize revenue and expenses. So, what's the generally accepted way of doing it versus uh, the way you think you should do it? Um, so, the non-GAAP profit for Ansys in Q1 was 149 million on 428 million in revenue, or 34.7%, which is the kind of numbers we're used to seeing from Ansys. But with GAAP uh, practices, it was 19% on 425 million. So that's a big difference. And if you if you scroll down in the uh, if you go to investors.ansys.com, you can find the press release and you can scroll down to the bottom and they explain the difference between GAAP and non-GAAP. You can see that things like how they account for assets from companies they purchased. And then also when they expense or how they expense the cost of giving shares to employees, um, it, it makes a big difference. And that's the difference in the profit. So I don't know enough to know why GAAP is one way and non-GAAP is another way and which indicates future success and which doesn't. I just know that uh, as ANSYS acquires company, companies, more companies, these GAAP numbers um, get further away from the non-GAAP numbers and, and look 
not as good as the non-GAAP numbers. So eventually, I guess it'll all catch up. Uh, one other bit of information I like to look at is where revenue is coming from. In Q1, uh, 157 million of that revenue was software licenses, and 268 million was maintenance and services. So 37% was from software licenses, and 63% was from maintenance and services. So the bottom line is it was a strong quarter and a good start to the year. The cost of adding companies is hitting the bottom line for now, but uh, we love it. We love getting more capability in the ANSYS family. So um, I guess it's a price I'm willing to pay, not that I really have to pay anything. I just have to enjoy the benefits of it. But um, eventually, it'll all work its way out with increased revenue and, and uh, these expenses will be absorbed at some point. So, speaking of acquisitions, uh, we they did another one. Ansys bought another company. They added uh, a partner called Motor Design Limited. They're the authors of a tool called MotorCAD, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, we've been offering this tool uh, through the partner program for some time, and now they're officially part of Ansys. No surprise there. Um, one of the fastest growing parts of our business, and I think the rest of the Ansys uh, uh, world will agree is the electrification of transportation, you know, cars and planes and buses and trucks and all putting large electric motors in um, and generators and things like that. And so, you know, motor design is becoming much more important. And not only the motors everywhere, but they, because these are usually battery driven applications or we're looking at putting electric motors on aircraft and things like that, this is um, very important for um, efficiency. So they need to be compact and they need to be very efficient. And uh, I think everybody's working on that. That's that's the ANSYS news. The acquisition is the only one. Uh, we don't have any news here at PDT to share. So let's move on to the ANSYS blog. Um, and my, my favorite article uh, currently since the last podcast in the ANSYS blog is about a company called SpaceForge. It's an ANSYS startup, a member of the ANSYS startup program, and they're doing on-orbit manufacturing, which is just cool. So check out that article to learn more about what they're doing. And then the next one was, was really exciting, and um, I'd really like to try and get some folks from ANSYS on to talk about this. Um, it's called Unleashing the Full Power of GPUs for ANSYS Fluent Part 1. And it shares that they have ported uh, parts of the Fluent Solver to be 100% to run 100% on GPUs. So if you have an eight GPU box, it's 33%, 33 times, not percent, times faster than an 80 core Xeon setup. So, um, and even if you just run on one GPU, it's five times faster than that 80 core Xeon box. So. Um, this is scalability. It's a new way of looking at things. You know, other industries have been using GPUs for some time. Uh, we've had good good response uh, or scaling on uh, the mechanical side from GPUs, but that's that. This is running 100% on the GPU, so it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, take a look at that if you're a CFD person. Um, it, it's definitely worth looking at. That's a relatively. I mean, GPUs aren't cheap, but. Um, adding one to get a five times speed increase. Yeah, I take a look at that. And then the last article uh, worth looking at is about the MotorCAD acquisition. Uh, that's my third course uh, choice. It's called Powering Up Electric, what is it? Electric Machine Design and Simulation. Um, and it's, it's all about what MotorCAD is and about the acquisition and a little bit more details on that. So do check that out. 
Uh, PDT actually had some blogs go out over the last couple weeks. Uh, the first is the part one on scripting and space claim from Robert McCatherin. He goes over the basics of scripting in this powerful geometry tool that we all know and love, and including how to use recording in the tool um, to, to start your own macro. So very powerful capability. Um, scripting of geometry creation is something that uh, us uh, older APDL users used to do a lot of, and we uh, kind of got away from it when we didn't have a tool that we could script easily. And, and now we're getting back into um, doing some fancy stuff with scripting on geometry. It's a pretty powerful thing. Um, the next one is a, uh, a little bit of a background and a link to a paper that PDT's Alex Christian published with Arizona State University on exploring optimization in nature through simulation and 3D printing. And the paper is actually called Parametric Optimization of Corner Radii in Hexagonal Honeycombs Under In-Plane Compression. There's a typical uh, paper title, but what we're really looking at is if you look at, at honeycombs and other animals besides bees make this hexagonal structure, they have radiuses in the corner, but they're not full circles. So the question was asked, well, why are they not a full circle? What's the optimum uh, radius of those uh, corner uh, radii? And uh, this paper uh, goes over how we used ANSYS and 3D printing and some testing to answer that question and what the answer to the question is. So pretty powerful stuff and, and actually useful if you uh, use hexagonal um, uh, cells in your product design. And uh, right after I finish recording, I promise, I'll be uh, putting up an article from Joe Woodward. It's part two of his series on how do I know that my download was successful. So that will be going up shortly, uh, as soon as I get this in the can, as, they, as professional people say. But nobody puts anything in a can anymore. It's digital. But... I digress. Let's look at PDT events. Right now, this week, uh, PDT has a bunch of people at Rapid plus TCT 2022. So if you're at Rapid and you listen to this podcast while you were jogging in the morning or whatever, um, take a look for some folks in PDT shirts and say hi. Tell them, tell them Eric said hi. Um, if you're in Arizona, uh, there are two events you should know about this week. Uh, the months, This month's uh, AZ Tech Council After 5 in Tucson is at Worldview. They're a longtime PDT and ANSYS user. Uh, and we can't wait to tour their facility and learn more about their balloon that takes people up to the stratosphere. So you may have seen this in the news. It's basically like a... Uh, like a, 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 a saucer that's got a lounge in it and you strap yourself in and you go up very slowly on the bottom of this huge balloon up to the stratosphere. You hang around up there for a couple hours and then you gently flow down to earth. So rather than spending a couple million dollars on 30 seconds of weightlessness, um, you can spend a couple hours looking at the earth from the stratosphere, which is a pretty cool thing and uh, much more affordable. So check check them out, Worldview. Um, and if you're, if you're in Arizona, we'd love to see you at the Tech Council's After Five down there on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, uh, again, a local event, I'm hosting a roundtable on artificial intelligence and medtech. Uh, it's part of the Venture Cafe series here in Phoenix. This is a startup thing that uh, is all over the world, and we now have a, uh, a branch here in Arizona that we do every Thursday in downtown Phoenix. And um, this is a special session because we're being joined by a group of medtech companies from the Czech Republic. So I will try to wheedle in simulation into the discussion and how uh, how it can be used to uh, remind folks how it can be used to do machine learning, to use virtual testing instead of real testing to uh, train the algorithms. But uh, I always try to figure out a little bit of simulation on what the topic is. But uh, yeah, stop on by if you're, you're in town for that. And um, 
We're also going to be at the SMR and Advanced Reactor 2022. This is a this is a the, the, one of the nuclear conferences for small modular reactors and advanced reactor design, um, and it's in Atlanta this year. And we'll be in the Flonex booth. So if you are in that industry and going to be at that event, stop by and say hi to um, Miles. And I think Miles is going to be there and uh, Dan Christensen. So say hi to them. And then uh, seminar-wise, we've got one tomorrow, the 18th. It's called Signal and Power Integrity Updates in ANSYS 2022 R1. Um, then we have one called uh, Industry Best Practices for Oil and Gas Production and Processing, and that's going to be on May 25th. And then we're doing a webinar on modeling uh, liquid cryogenic rocket engines in Flonex. So moving from nuclear to um, rocket engines, and that's going to be on May 26th. So those are three webinars coming up from PADT. And uh, as always, you can go to brighttalk.com to see uh, register for those, or you can watch all of our old ones, which actually uh, we were just looking yesterday, and some that are three or four years old are still getting you know, some pretty significant uh, watches um, even now. Um, so it's still, still relevant and still useful, so people are enjoying them. So do check that out at brighttalk.com. Uh, just search for PADT, and you'll find us, or search for ANSYS, you'll find us as well. And that's it. Um, thank you again for listening to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. And do spread the word about the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things ANSYS podcast, episode 111. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.pdtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at pdtinc.com. See you next time.